0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week.
2: We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis
0: you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner.
1: Listen to On Fire, the
3: official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Episode 192 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Nervous Burger. Hailing from my home state of Indiana, Nervous Burger is the writing project of American Dream Hi-Fi record store owner and bassist Mike Wilson, also of Harley Poe. Mike is an old friend of mine from back in the Chronic Chaos days tidbit of information. Nervous Burger is releasing a new single every month to help with recording costs of new tunes, and you can pick up a physical copy of their record at the link in the show notes. So make sure to go do that. For more information on Nervous Burger, you can find them on all streaming platforms as well as Instagram at American Dream Hi-Fi. Now here it is, their new single, Corndog Factory in Outer Space.
0: That's a certain why don't they disappear Tommy your you
3: Hey guys, what's up? It's Chris, your fearless leader here at that one time on tour. If you haven't yet, you need to check out my new band, Fire Sale. We're currently working on new music that will be out very soon. But in the meantime, you can check us out on all of the streaming platforms or at Firesaleisaband.com. What's
0: that you say?
2: Hey, this is Ted Felicetti from Don't Panic, and you're listening to That One Time on Tour.
0: One for the gold, cause it's going on and on. We'll be driving through the darkest night until the break of dawn. And we'll be heading for the cities, another show for us to play. To so get back in the bed cause tomorrow
3: do it will do it all again hey hey everybody out there in podcast land what is going on as always this is chris Swinney, and i am your host for that one time on tour if this is your first time joining me this is my podcast where i get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry and have a stellar conversation. I hope you're all doing well out there. I'm back again. Things have been very, very hectic at Swinney HQ. Uh, My band Fire Say, I released two new singles and they're doing really, really well. And we just had an amazing Thanksgiving holiday over at my Aunt Debbie's with all like 90 to 100 of my family members. It was a lot of fun. ate a lot of turkey. I hope you guys all had a good holiday. I'm sorry about the inconsistency lately. Uh, Hopefully things will get back. back to normal soon just had a lot of stuff going on and the podcast it's still super important to me but it's just man trying to get everything done being a dad working owning a business doing the band stuff (laughs) just everything the podcast has taken a little bit of a backseat but it's not going to be like that forever so thanks for sticking with me going to get things back on track soon. I've also had some computer issues as of late, but I think everything is okay now. I've actually got a couple guys out there, if you're listening, that I was supposed to do some interviews with, and uh, I had to kind of postpone until I got my computer stuff going again, so I think we're good now, so expect an email or a text from me, and we will get everything back on track. So thanks for staying on the ride with me. I really appreciate it, but let's get to today's episode. Today on the program, I got to sit down and chat with my buddy, Mr. Ted Felicetti from Don't Panic. I met Ted years ago when the Ataris did some shows with his old band, Split 50. And uh, not only is Ted the vocalist, guitarist, and songwriter in Don't Panic, he's also an amazing booking agent for bands like The Queers, my old band, The Ataris, Messed, The Spill Canvas, and a bunch of other bands. And I had a great time catching up with Ted. It had been a really long time since we've chatted about anything, really. We just kind of like each other's posts on social media, so I I felt like it was time to get him on the show finally after talking about it for so long. I think you're really going to dig it. Ted is an interesting guy and he's got a really cool story. So, before we get to my chat with Ted, let's do some housekeeping. The sponsor at the beginning of the show, uh, my old buddy Mike Wilson from back in the Chronic Chaos days, his his band Nervous Burger, a really, really cool band. It's his writing project that he does on the side. He owns a record store called American Dream Hi-Fi, and uh, he's also in the really cool band Harley Poe. I'm sure some of you out there have heard of Harley Poe. So make sure to check out Nervous Burger. They're on all of the streaming sites, and you can check out more information. Just go over to at Fi on instagram up next partscasterconcierge.com my buddy gary he builds guitars he built me one he needs to build you one check it out partscasterconcierge.com the only place to get tattooed in east central indiana is at permanence tattoo gallery head on over to at permanence tattoo gallery on all of the socials to check it out next up we have 1603 designs that is 160 at 1603 underscore designs on Instagram. Uh, it's my buddy Jeff Small. He does woodworking. I think you've probably seen the picture that I posted. He did a podcast logo out of wood for me. It's really, really cool. He's done Pennywise, The Misfits, you name it. He's done it. Check him out. Get him to make you something out of wood. It would be amazing. One at at one six zero three underscore designs. He's also has an Etsy store. So check him out and order something. Last but not least, we have a brand new sponsor on today's episode. Die hard photography. And that is die D Y E hard photography. And uh, they send in this little blurb that I'm going to read. So, you know, what's going on with die hard photography Any band in the Northeast Ohio area searching for a live photographer, look no further. Die Hard Photography is the only way to go when you're in need of some serious shots. They'll capture your best moments on stage as well as get the edited shots to you in no time at all. You can catch them on Instagram and Facebook. At, let me see here. Die Hard Photography is truly to die for, and die is spelled D Y E. So on Instagram, you can hit them up diehard.photography with the, the die spelled D Y E, or on Facebook, die Hard Photography, no gaps, no spaces. So check out Die Hard Photography, and that is die spelled D Y E. Thank you so much for sponsoring today's episode. All of this information is in the show notes on the episode page. So head on over to TOTOTpodcast.com for all of the information. Uh, have Do you have a band or a company? <laughs> it's almost like I'm reading this. Do you have a band or a company and you would like to sponsor an episode? I have some great spots lined up if you guys are interested. Just hit me up. You can hit me up on the socials at TOTOTpodcast or you can email me podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to make a one-time donation to help this podcast continue to grow, you can do that at my personal Venmo. It is at Christopher Swinney. That is C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-S-W-I-N-N-E-Y. A dollar, five dollars, four hundred dollars, whatever you want to do, it all helps. Fifty cents, whatever. Uh, The easiest way, and uh, it's a free way, and easiest, so that's even better, to to help the podcast is to support. The, I can't talk today, it's horrible It's a subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen And make sure to follow us on all the socials, like I said, at T-O-T-O-T Podcast. I'd like to give a shout out to our art director, Sarah, over at Road Dog Supply Make sure to follow her on Instagram and Facebook, at Road Dog Supply I do not have a segment today Like I said, I've been very, very busy And uh, yeah, I didn't have time to promote or prepare, not promote, (laughs) to prepare a segment today. I will have segments on the upcoming episodes, and uh, I've got some really cool radio segments planned and some other stuff planned. But for today, we're going to keep this short and sweet, and we're going to jump straight into my conversation. I almost said interview, but it's not really an interview. It's more like a chat. We're going to jump straight into my chat with Mr. Ted Felicetti from Don't Panic. Hope you guys enjoy it. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Mr. Ted Felicetti from Don't Panic. Ted and I go way back. Uh, it's nice to have you on the program finally, man. How you doing?
2: Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm finally happy to be here. You know, we've been trying to figure this out for a while, so it's yeah. cool to do it.
3: I used to have like this crazy schedule where I would do like four or five of them a week, and then with the new band and having two kids in school and buying a new house and everything it's it's kind of my schedule has gotten very very slim so thank you so much for staying up late and being on the program with me man
2: no problem man yeah it's 10:30 so it's like past my my normal bedtime but you know you got to squeeze me in somewhere between chris shiflett and fat mike right yeah
3: yeah I, the funny thing is i i had you know i just had uh chris shiflett on and then yesterday i just did scott his brother so.
2: oh my god i love I love both of them so
3: much. Well, that's another thing, man. Like, you know, I know you love the Foo Fighters. I've, I've heard you talk about that. And I know how much you love face to face. Yep. And the cool thing about Dope Panic, and I got to say, I've been listening ever since you started kind of promoting it a few years ago. I can hear that. Like, it's not blatant, but definitely you guys are a band that I think wears your influences on your sleeve. And I really like that. Are there other bands that you can let me know of that kind of influence you guys?
2: Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, The two, I mean, Face to Face and Foo Fighters for sure. Uh, My big two in the last couple of years have been uh, Bayside and uh, Mill and Colin. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, those have been my my two big go-tos lately. So that's mostly what I've been listening to. Between those four bands, that makes up like 80% of my my listening at, at nighttime.
3: I don't think that Anthony can write a bad song.
2: No, I don't think he can either. (laughs)
3: <laughs> the funny thing, I, I don't have a lot of run-ins with them. Uh, Jack was on the program a couple years back. That's awesome. But I do remember back in the day, my first band, my high school band, it was a band called Chronic Chaos. Just punk as fuck, man. Sure. And and there was this la- – I can't remember the name of the label, but it was a label on the East Coast, and they were like, hey, we really like you guys. Uh, we want to do a split CD. And I'm like, well, who's the split with? Or, oh, this little band called Bayside. It was before they signed to Victory
2: yeah you're like
3: pass well no it never it never ended up <laughs> happening because i don't think we got our masters done in time and there was something going on with them as well but i just yeah. I, when i met those guys for the first time on warp tour when i was there i think i was with the ataris and uh i told them like oh we remember they told me your the, the name of your band we were gonna do it and then something happened so i i feel like i've got a long history of those guys even though i don't really know them
2: <laughs> yeah i kind of had the same thing uh my and my old band Split Fifty. Um
3: I remember Split Fifty played some shows with yeah, you guys.
2: Yeah. Um we recorded with this guy Shep Goodman when we were making our final what was going to become our final album. We didn't know at the time, but uh he had just finished uh producing Bass Side, like their their self t I think it was a self titled album. And so it was like their second album. It was like early on, you know. So this is the early two thousands. And I remember just listening to them and I took notice of their name because I'm from Bayside Queens, which is where they're from. So I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Like they named their band after, you know, where I'm from. Yeah. But yeah, it's a big influence of mine musically for sure.
3: I tell you one day, funny that you say Queens and, and naming it after that. One, <laughs> one time I was playing Maxwell's in Hoboken, New Jersey with yeah, the Ataris. Right mm-hmm. And I was in the bathroom and as I'm at the urinal, this other guy is right next to me, like at the sink. And he goes, yo man, you in that band, the Atari's. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you guys got that, that record Astoria. He's like, <laughs> he's like, is that, is that about Queens? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I just, I always thought that was hilarious. Like, and, and Chris Rowe and I would always like, I don't know, just certain times we go like, yo man, are you talking about Queens? I'm like, yeah, no, there man. Queens over there? <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. So, uh, you know, We have, I felt, I feel like even though we spent some time together playing some shows back in the day, I feel like we're friends, even though we don't really talk very much.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's like all my friends nowadays, man. (laughs) I'm friends with lots of people that I don't talk to.
3: Yeah, it's totally. Well, our, our mutual friend, Gavin Smith, like, you know, he's one of my best friends. I've talked to that guy on a daily basis. I had no idea today was his birthday. Until I, was I didn't on... know
2: either. Now I have to text him when we get off the phone.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was on Instagram, and all these people are saying it's his birthday. I'm like, shit, so I made a post really quick. I felt like an asshole, but I don't think he knows my birthday, so it's okay.
2: He doesn't know mine for sure. <laughs> I... Gavin's like another one of those people. He's my friend, but I never talk to him.
3: Well, the other cool thing about this chat is that, you know, I – I just had a set of brothers. I had the Shiflet brothers on that we just talked about. And your brother has been on the program as well. So now I've got the Felicetti brothers on the program. Yeah,
2: we could almost rival those two.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, don't panic. Uh, You guys, you know, when Split 50 kind of was over, you just talked about, you know, the last record. You didn't know it was going to be the last record. What yeah. was what was the interim until you got "Don't Panic" kind of going? Were there other bands in between?
2: No, um, so we so my yeah so my band Split Fifty. We had just signed a Eulogy, and we were going to put out an album on Eulogy, and then the singer decided he didn't want to do the band anymore, just kind of out of the blue. So I was just like, well, I mean, I was helping. I was like really involved in writing, like that. The record that was going to be on the Eulogy release. So I had a lot of song ideas out of songs I'd written, like all this stuff that was just kind of piled up in my head and that I'd like kinda of demoed out at be like a home studio. And uh, so I was like, Well, I wanna keep this going. And that was in two thousand and nine. Yeah. And uh so I was like, Well, I wanna I wanna keep this I wanna keep the music thing going. I was I was in my mid twenties and uh, I'd basically done nothing else but tour and, and to be in the music industry. So, I asked our bass player Keith, who was the bass player in Split 50, if he wanted to just keep start a new band and just keep going. He was like, "Yeah." So, we uh we got together with our two friends, uh this guy AJ. and then I met this guy, his name was Zach, and he was a really good drummer from the Scranton area. And we just kind of we were just like, well, well let's just try to give us a try. Like I I'd never I had not sang or fronted a band outside of like my high school band yeah. yet. So, like, I was kind of nervous about it. And and honestly, like, we, we the, the five or six songs, we like recorded like a little EP. And I always say, like, I was, I, you know, I, I felt like I was still getting my songwriting sea legs or whatever you want to call it. So I would say, like, the, our first EP that we, that we had released was like kind of like a Foo Fighters B side album <laughs> where it's like <laughs> all the stuff they didn't want to release. Yeah. It was, like just not good enough to be on their albums. But, you know, it, it was still trying to figure out like a sound. And, uh, I'd done the punk rock thing for 12 plus years. The split 50
3: out. was a little bit more a punk tinge, right? Yeah. A little like
2: alkaline trio yeah. kind, kind of thing. And the band, my first band that I very started was more, you know, like a, a big wig face to face kind of thing. So I had done that kind of music since I had learned how to play guitar. So I was like, oh, I want to go a little more in like that Foo Fighters rock world, you know? And, uh, so we started the band, and we recorded the EP, and uh, we our our friend had started like a a record label um, that he'd gotten distro through uh, ADA Warner, and he he signed two bands. He signed Don't Panic, and then he signed Motionless and White. Wow. Those were the first, yeah, those were the first two bands. So one of those bands did really well. <laughs> I'll let you guess who. But so we put out the we put out the six-song EP, and then I had met—you were in the Ataris at the time. I had met uh, Chris and, and you guys when we were in Split 50 doing yeah. some shows and stuff. And, I just remember uh, we played that
3: show in State College, and it was insane.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was a cool show. Like,
3: a couple of those shows, just like, because on that tour, it was either 2008 or 2009. Like, we had really good shows, but for the Ataris, like, there was kind of like an interim where— maybe some of the venues got smaller but that was just because then we'd still have a packed house you know yeah, Which yeah. you know we'll talk about later you're a booking agent so you know all about that but yeah. i remember man when we got to pennsylvania and we did that that run of shows with you guys those were unreal man the crowds were yeah great. they were
2: really good we used to do pretty good in pennsylvania so uh it certainly helped a bit but uh yeah since i'd met chris uh basically i was just like hey i started this new band uh, we want to go on tour. How about because he was like, Oh, yeah, we the Atari's are gonna be going like you know, he used to notoriously tour 100 days in a row. Or, yeah, you know, he'd do crazy stuff. Oh, so. dude,
3: believe me, I know.
2: <laughs> yeah, so he was like, Well, we want to do a full US tour next year. He's like, If you want to help me book it, you guys can open. So I was like, Well, fuck yeah, I'll do that. Like, Sounds I'd like never, Chris Rowe. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd never booked a tour before. Like, I booked shows and i was um the like the um i don't even would want to call it but i so me and my friends had ran and owned a stage on the vans warp tour for about seven years and uh i was part of my job was booking the bands and stuff
3: what was the name That's of like, that, what was the name of the stage
2: uh, it, it changed names a bunch of years it started off as the east coast indie stage
3: i remember that stage yeah
2: yeah and then it became like uh, the DeZambo stage Because it was like Our friend who worked on it Had died So we named the stage after him And then uh, It became Ourstage.com Or something Like it, it was basically You know if We had a big sponsor They'd pay for it that year And we'd change the name yeah. You know to, But um, So like my, my experience booking Was pretty minimal But I was just like Well fuck man You know We get to go on tour with at the Ataris uh, My brand new band Like we had played Three shows at that point And we just put an EP So I was like great So we did that and, uh, we went on this like 45 day tour out to like California and back. And, um, and then when we got home, it was like 2010, we were just like, all right, let's, uh, everyone go. Cause we were all now broke and, <laughs> you know, yeah. had to go back to work and we were like, all right, let's everyone like, you know, let's catch back up on our bills, kind of get caught back into real life and let's reconvene and like start doing something else. And then that just never happened. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like everyone just kind of got involved with life. I started to book tours more for other bands. And then we, I stopped playing music for like,
3: well, that, that makes sense now because like, I, you know, forgive me for maybe not paying complete attention when all this was going on, but I remember the name don't panic. I remember you posting all kinds of stuff. And then it seemed like it kind of went away and then in the last yeah. couple years, it's like a resurgence. It's like, you guys are back better than ever doing all kinds well, of know,
2: shit. you know The movie industry is all reboots. So I figured, yeah. you know, why not, <laughs> why not follow along and do a reboot?
3: Don't panic the next generation.
2: Yeah. You know, they bring all the Ghostbusters back when they're 70 years old. I can yeah. come back in my
3: 30s. I tell you, man, I, I've not had a chance to talk to anybody about that, that actually loved it as much as me, but I'll say Reboots normally I'm not into, but when they were all there at the end, that scene in the new Ghostbusters, it it was touching. I, I enjoyed it.
2: Well, that's what they bank on, man. Yeah. They just want, they, you know, they want to. They just you wait the whole movie for that scene. So of course, like that's going to be the best part. I mean,
3: right? I was in the Atari's, which every song is basically nostalgia. So yeah. <laughs> so it, it touches me. <laughs>
2: yeah, I understand that for sure.
3: So you guys, you know, you finally you had kind of started booking, like you said. And I know for a while you were booking the Ataris, you were booking the queers, I think, for a while, which yep. I, I think you are now. We'll talk about that yeah, I later. Still do, yeah. Yep. And you know, that kind of became your thing, right? So what yep. was what was kind of the the moment where don't panic kind of got back and started doing things?
2: Uh, I know the exact minute it happened. Like I I um so my as you said, like you interviewed my brother Rob, and he's a bass player in Bowling for Soup. And uh he, uh, they were going on tours the summer, uh, twenty nineteen. They're going on tour with uh, Real Big Fish. So it was yeah. like a cold headline it was like Real Big Fish and Blowing for Soup. And R- Rob called me because like, even though I had stopped playing, Rob kept playing that entire time. And me, me and him are like our musical careers have kind of always been like parallel. We've always been around each other, touring and all that kind of stuff. But when I started to do like the industry side of stuff. He kept touring in, in patent pending and, and the Ataris and then, uh, then he, back in patent pending. And, and then uh, he, joined he had Boulder some pursuit. drums
3: thrown at him at one point. Yeah, I think. yeah, so, yeah
2: some, some crazy <laughs> stuff happened. And-
3: That's been talked about on this show with him and Chris and many oh, other uh, people. And I'm
2: sure Jarrett, too, at some point. Jarrett, oh, yeah. Well, dude, the yeah. funny
3: thing is not to like kind of tangent city or anything, but when that happened, I was living on the beach on the Florida, Alabama line. I hadn't been in the Atari's for a couple of years. Right. Yeah. And I was getting text messages left and right. Like you're such an asshole. Why would you do that? I'm like, for <laughs> oh, one thing. Yeah. For one thing, I'm not Chris with a K I'm yeah. not playing in the Atari's. And <laughs> it was just, and I remember texting Chris going, dude, what did you do? Cause I hadn't seen the video. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I've been getting berated by people on my phone <laughs> thinking I'm an asshole. And then it became this running joke with Chris and I, so.
2: But, uh, yeah, so so Rob called me up, and he was just like, hey, like, what are you doing, like, this summer? I was like, no, well, I don't know, nothing, really. Just, you know, work and normal crap. He's like, why don't you, like, I talked to Jarrett and asked if you can come, like, just hang out on tour for a week or two. Like, why don't you come? I was like, okay, that sounds kind of fun. You know what I mean? I haven't done anything like that since probably Warp Tour, which was, like, the last Warp Tour I did was 2013 or 2012. Yeah. So, uh <clears throat> I got a plane ticket and I flew uh, down to Florida where they start, like where the tour was starting. And I just hung out with those guys. But like, basically what happened was I got off the airplane, got into like a SUV that they had rented from the airport to get to the First first venue or Uber. Maybe it was the second we got to the club. Like I walked backstage and walked onto the stage from the backstage area. And I just kind of looked out and I was like, I just had this weird feeling. It was like overwhelming. I was like, "Whoa, what have I been doing? Like, why am I not doing this? Like, I missed it so much. I just hadn't realized that I did." So I got you know it was like immediate. Like as soon as I got there, and then that night, uh, I was talking to Jared about. I was like, "Yeah, I used to you know I used to play in a band and and I did this full time, you know." And he was like, "Well, let me hear it." Like I gave him uh, like a link to whatever was up online at that time, and he listened to it and. He's like why are you still not in a band and i was like i don't know like, kind of, he's like just do it just start it again i was like okay so <laughs> he he he's like a big like jared was a huge part in that of like me kind of starting to play again and i thank him every day for it because i'm so happy that i'm doing it again
0: This.
3: I don't think you could meet a nicer guy.
2: Oh no, no, he, <laughs> him, unbelievable. He's so helpful. He's like uh, he's like a, a large brother, a big brother to me. Yeah, and I, or I always I always joke that he's my like a grandpa to me. But you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, he he's been a huge help. And uh, yeah, that's that's what it was, man. It's, it so it's only been three years, but you know, it was three years ago, and I just walked onto a stage on a tour one day, and I was just like, holy crap, I miss this so much.
3: So did it, did it kind of, I mean, I asked this kind of, of everybody, you know, with you kind of restarting everything and finding, you know, your passion for it again, after working behind the scenes in the industry, and then, you know, you get it going, you're feeling good about everything. And then the pandemic shuts everything off.
0: Yeah.
3: I mean, that must've been kind of soul crushing, right? A
2: a little bit. Uh, You know what? it was weird and because originally what happened was so like 2019 i get home from that tour and it's august and i'm like i'm gonna start writing again like i don't know if i could but i was just like i'll give it a try <laughs> you know so i started writing some songs and uh and we got to the studio our our guitar player aj was our engineer at a recording studio so like oh perfect so we went that's what like that's the job he had wound up getting wow so I was like, "Oh, this is great!" So we like we went and we started to record music. There's a couple songs, and uh, we were like, "All right, cool." Like we, we actually had a full length, so we started to record a full length, and we we're like, well, "Let's release a full length in like March, and then we're like maybe we'll go on go on tour and like do some shows in April and May, and like then uh, we were like, well, "Let's film a music video." Like let's like really let's like really make it cool. So then we like in February we film a music video, and we have like these show dates booked in March and April. And our first show, like, one of our first shows is going to be with Bowling for Soup in Atlantic City, and it was going to be really cool. And then, like, all of a sudden, we start to hear little rumors about, oh, you know, these people are sick on this cruise ship, and they're not letting them come back onto t- on land. And, like, oh, it's, it's going to be fine. <laughs> you know, I, was- I was talking to so many people, you know, it's going to be fine. Like, don't worry. This will be, you know, this will be over. It still hit. Cause you know, how many times has this happened really? Like, uh, like not the pandemic, but how many times has it happened? Where it's like this disease and this, and they always yeah. like, talk about something and then it goes away. Pig,
3: it always scares HIV you maybe a little bit, but then it never, it never becomes what this became. Yeah. It never,
2: yeah. it never like turned, like comes to fruition as to what they're saying. At yeah. this time it did. But it was at first, when we first started getting show cancellations and, Everything started shutting down. I was like, "What the fuck, man!" Like, I just spent all this money on like a record and a video, and we bought a van, and we were gonna go on tour, and we had all these dates booked. And uh, at first, it was really soul crushing. Like for about a week or two, I felt like really upset, and I was like, "I didn't know what to do." I felt defeated. But then I was just like, "You know what? Screw that! Like, let's just make the best of this." So then yeah. we, so our band stayed really active during. The beginning of it especially where we were doing like live band meeting streams on facebook and and i started doing like acoustic sets a lot of people weren't doing it at the time like i'm not saying like i it was the trail well, no I,
3: I remember when it finally became like completely oversaturated at the beginning nobody i think people just thought it was going to be over
2: yeah so no one was really putting effort into it but yeah we were like well whatever let's just so we started like having like Jeopardy night like once every month where we'd have like our band would play Jeopardy and our you know people would like tune in like on Facebook and um, and then we started doing like live full band streams from the recording studio that AJ worked at so we did a couple of those so we tried to stay busy so like yeah it was soul crushing at first but it, it, not that it's like shot in Freud or anything but it helped that everyone else was also in the same position yeah. So in a, in one way, it was like this huge roadblock, but in another way, it was almost like a full industry reset. Like it was like someone turned the light switch off and then turned it back on and everyone had to reboot. So it almost like, I felt like I was 10 years behind because I hadn't toured or played in a band for so long. Then all of a sudden everything got reset and I felt like I was starting off almost at the same place where everybody else was Yeah, yeah. to an extent, not the bigger bands, but like bands in our, you know, I get that. So it, in, in a way, it wasn't good, but it, it was like, oh, it made me feel a little more confident that like, all right, well, I feel a little bit caught up because everyone's been pulled back down to where I was.
3: Well, and your bread and butter then was also booking. So yeah. when nobody on the planet is playing live shows, that kind of doubly fucks you because you can't go tour.
2: Oh, yeah, man. And oh, you yeah. can't
3: yeah. book tours for other bands. Like, how did how did that feel, man?
2: That was terrible. I mean, this, uh, the state of Pennsylvania paid for me to live for a while. I, and I, I hated that, honestly. Like, it's cool for the first two weeks when, we were, you know, uh, me and S- my, my fiance, Sarah, we'd stay home and play Skyrim and, you know, do that kind of stuff for a few hours a day. And it was cool. But, and then, you know, eventually it was like making hot pockets and, and sitting around at my house in my robe. I was just like, man, this sucks. Like, yeah. I want to do something. Like, I, you know,
3: I think the consensus with everybody that I've talked to on this podcast and just in my real life also is that like the first, I would say month or so, it's like, I don't have to work. Yeah. Like they're sending us money from the government. We can just watch (laughs) television and hang out at that point. My kids weren't in school. Like it was kind of like a vacation at home. And then after about a couple of weeks, I'm like, this fucking sucks, man.
2: Yeah. I mean, our, our, our entire industry is built on, being social and yeah. being events and, and, you know, so it's like, you can't do that. Like, yeah, it's cool at first, but, and a lot of bands got like a much needed break. I'm sure like a lot of those like bands that toured a ton yeah, and they got to be home with their wives and their kids. Like, I'm sure they were stoked about that, but it was not fun for the, the smaller bands for sure. Who were trying to like start, start something. And yeah, it, was, it was a, it kind of sucked, but you know, we're getting through it.
3: What did, what did you feel like I've, I've had this conversation with quite a lot of people you know you've got those tiers of bands that you were speaking of you got like you know the big bands, let's say like Foo Fighters or Metallica they're they're fine. It doesn't matter yeah, sure. what happens with them and then you've got the bands that play bars. they're gonna be fine, but then you've got the mid i'm not I'm not talking I'm talking like the bar bands like cover yeah, bands yeah. like yeah, they I go go play the f- covers for tourists or whatever. but then yeah. you've got like the don't panics. I would even put in like Strike Anywhere's, like maybe even like Strung Out, like that big of a band where they're just going to play clubs, right? Mm-hmm. Those are the bands I think that are going to be affected the most by it because now that people are touring again, as you know, like I do being a booking agent, you put holds on venues. yeah, first mm-hmm. hold, second hold, third hold.
2: like Oh, I've seen some... Fourteenth holds at this point. Yeah. I've seen because everybody seen wants
3: to tour now. So like, yeah. like what is has what your experience been now that people are touring again? What's it been like trying to book your bands? Um,
2: it it's been it's it's like it's it's up and down. It's it's weird. Like as far as like the 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 club, like you got to do everything way far in advance now, like yeah. way more than you used to. And for bands like my brother's band or some of the other bands I work for that tour on like a bus, for instance, buses are, you can't get a bus. There's no drivers. There's no buses. Like there's tours getting canceled. Cause they can't get a a, a bus. Like wow. they can't like, well, it's like a band that needs to tour on a bus. Cause they have a crew and, you know, but they yeah, can't it's get not, a bus. it's
3: not the luxury aspect. It's yeah, like, you yeah, can't do it without a bus.
2: Yeah. It's the practicality aspect yeah. of it where it's like, you know, so and that end of things, has been kind of tough, but, it's been, I don't know. It's, it's been nice for my, for don't panic because in a way, because there's so many tours for us to try and get onto. Yeah. Like you're like, just by sheer volume, we get to get on some, you know, some cooler stuff or, you know, more shows like in, in the past couple of years we've done, I mean, I don't know how, but we've gotten some awesome shows. Like we got to open for face to face and we got to, I
3: saw, like I saw I saw that on your bucket list thing you posted. Like oh my God, you were checking yeah. stuff off. <laughs> I got it. yeah. Uh,
2: and we got to do you know this this past summer we went on tour with Less Than Jake and and Bowling for Soup for three weeks and
3: was that was that like uh, did Jarrett kind of get you guys on that because I remember at at one point I don't think you were on it but then yeah. something because so, I think you reached out to me and asked me if I could play guitar with you guys. Yeah
2: <laughs> yeah. It, like so, what wound up happening was uh, we submitted to open the tour, like like to the tour, and they and they opted not to have us. Yeah, well, I'm sure lots of bands. But yeah, totally. There's only you know there's only three slots or whatever it is. But uh, the band that they had taken that they had picked for that first bit of dates like had to get removed from the tour for some personal reason or something. So and this was like five weeks before the tour was starting. So then Jarrett texted me and he's like what are you doing in five weeks do you just don't panic when i go on tour and i was like yes i was like how do even ask my band I, I was just like i was like what was like you guys and less than jake and he's like yeah that's where you guys want to call that tour i was like yep we're, we're, we're gone we're on it like so i just committed the band to the tour and then then i started calling my band members <laughs> oh hey uh in five weeks we're gonna go on tour for three weeks like some of the guys couldn't go. So I had to find some people to fill in for some dates or so, you know, well, I just,
3: I remember that because I think like literally a day or two before that I was, you know, talking to Krista makes about that tour. Like, like, Oh man, that tour looks really cool. Like we were just kind of shooting the shit. And then you hit me up and like, Hey, what are you doing? (laughs) And I was like, dude, I totally wish like, I love don't panic. I think it would be so much fun to play with you guys and do that tour. But it, being you know 43 with all my responsibilities i need some extra lead-in time for something oh, I like know, that man.
2: it it wound up working out great for us but it, it was uh once once our guitar player said he couldn't go and then our, our drummer couldn't do a couple of the dates So I was just like man I, I I didn't care i was just like we're doing this tour like and, and that's the way i've structured my band since the beginning was uh you know some bands run differently mine is more like i have my three best friends who are my band but if we if they can't do something we don't just not do it we just go yeah. all right well you know we'll, we'll, who's gonna pinch hit like you know it doesn't matter like we're gonna do this so like the first few days of the tour i had my friend i'm sure you know matt gray
3: well i was just gonna say yeah like when i saw that matt was jamming with you guys i'm like oh well you don't need any other dr- that's the best drummer in the world
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he was great he learned our songs and like you know so quick and i was i I mean i was uh, when i was younger and playing fire hall shows and i was like 15 16 like bigwig was one of my favorite bands so and i used to go see them play all the time so i was like fuck man i get to play with matt gray this is so awesome
3: dude i used to play with a band uh called the reason up in canada and we did i think a week or two and uh and like all over Quebec and Ontario with big when Matt was playing in big wig and he used to light his cymbals on fire on the oh, last yeah, song yeah. that, that just, that did it for me. I've never been like a pyro guy or like, Oh, look at kiss and all the stuff they're doing, <laughs> but he would do that every night. And I just thought it was the coolest fucking thing. And yeah, I mean, I don't talk to Matt very often, but he's amazing. And when I saw nice. he was jammed with you guys, that was so badass, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. And he did a great job and the tour was unbelievable. It was the best tour I've ever been on.
3: I mean, some of those uh, pictures you were posting, I'm like, fuck dude. Like I, I had, I I wish I would have had the lead in time and I could have jammed with you guys.
2: <laughs> it was a blast. Uh, we wound up picking up this, uh, our, uh, our new really good friend, Jake, who lives down in Dallas. and He, he basically tours with us full time now. So it actually was like, it worked out really nice.
0: That's he, awesome. His, his,
2: yeah, so we, we found like you know someone who's like who's playing with us all the time. It wasn't just like a one off kind of thing. So that's good.
3: Speaking of Jake, didn't uh, Jake Dwiggins, my old drummer for the Ataris, didn't he jam with you guys at some point?
2: A long time ago, yeah. In, yeah. Uh, so it, when I was saying back in 2010, when we had first started the band, no, the, Don't Panic was only a band for under two years before we went on this like really long break. And in those two years, we had done the Ataris tour, where I met Jake. And then uh, we did um, another, like, short little tour with this band Gasoline Heart, which I'm sure you oh, know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. And uh,
3: if you're in the Ataris, you got to know. You got to know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man,
2: he's so good. He's, like, one of the best songwriters ever.
3: I've talked to about having him on the show many times. We just have never had the yeah, schedules line up, you know.
2: He's, he's just entertaining, too. But uh, he, we did, like, a, a short little run with them, and uh, Anthony couldn't go uh because he had just started a job at the casino by us which is that's like the job he wound up working like, as we dispersed that was like the slow disbursement like we got home from Mr. Atari's tour a couple months later like lewis asked us if we wanted to go with him and we're like yeah let's do it, it sounds fun and anthony's like oh i just started this job at this casino i can't leave so i called jake i was like you want to come and he's like yeah so jake came down and played drums so but that was uh, that was like 2010. Mm-hmm.
1: What's up, everybody? This is Billy and Adam from the King Rock Podcast. We thought the world could possibly need just one more podcast with two middle-aged white males with beards discussing movies, politics, and mostly punk rock. Season two will be starting in mid-July with a whole new attitude. More guests, more episodes, giveaways including merch, concert tickets, comedy tickets, and much more. Guests will include musicians, comedians, activists, artists, athletes, you name it. So when you're done listening to the TOTOTOTOT podcast, please come check us out and follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. We're on Instagram as the King Rock Podcast, and you can also find us at thekingrock.com on the World Wide Web for photos of concerts and events, blogs, and upcoming event information as well. Oh, yeah, and we also have the best song intro of any podcast out there, written by Chris Cresswell of the Flatliners and Hot Water Music. So we got that going for us. So after uh, Chris Winnie's done fanboying out on whatever guest he has on TOTOT at the moment, uh, come check us out. Thank you very much.
3: I'm trying to think back now when I met Gavin, who has now become one of my best friends of all time, he lived with me in Indiana for a while and everything. Oh yeah. When, when we did those shows with uh pull the pin, mm-hmm. did you book those as well?
2: Yeah. So, and that's why, uh, so I booked this, the shows we did with split 50 with the Atari's and, um and then Chris was like, well, you want to, you guys want to do a couple more shows with us down to Florida. And I wanted to, but the band didn't. They're like, "Oh, we don't want to go on." Like, that's a big problem with that band too. They never wanted to do anything. (laughs) So (laughs) I was the only one. And so I was like, "Well, I was like, I'll just do it and just have have my brother's band play instead." So that's kind of how that happened. I was like, "I just, I was, I booked that tour and I just put Rob's band on instead." And that's how I think was Corey on that tour. Corey was was
3: on that tour. uh, Brad.
2: Yeah, and Um, Gavin.
3: Yeah, yeah, and that's how, you know, Gavin and I got to be really close, and then I talked Chris into bringing him out as our tour manager, mm-hmm. and, but it's just, it's just so crazy, like, that tour when I met you, and I met Gavin, and I met Rob, and met everybody, like, that's led to some really long friendships, you know? Yeah,
2: <laughs> um, and that's what's really cool about all this stuff, is like, you know, you meet, and even though you, how we started this conversation, where it's like, hey, we don't always talk, but we're still, you know, we're still friends. Yeah. I have so many people like that where I've met over all of these years that they're still my friends and and it's a very long friendships. I mean, since I started playing in band, Matt Gray, I met Matt Gray in in, in nineteen ninety nine when I yeah. you know when I first saw Big Wig at a fire hall, and I, now it's almost been what seventeen years or whatever. You <laughs> know, it's been
0: crazy
2: more than that. It's, yeah. you know, it's twenty three years. Geez,
3: I know. And, <laughs> So, dude, dude, I played bass for a band called Brazil. They're on Fearless Records for a while. Yeah, I Brazil. I, I was going through my memories today on Facebook, and there was a video of me playing in California with them, and it was like I think nineteen or twenty years old. And I'm like, oh my god! Like, where does it feels like that just happened? It feels like you and I are jamming in State College, Pennsylvania, a month yeah. ago. You know?
2: Yeah, it is. It is really crazy. Like, and even with like starting don't panic now again like started, we started back up like i said end of 2019 we're rounding on a year, three years now that yeah. we've been doing it. and it's like it doesn't feel like that at all i mean we've we've been busy but it just doesn't feel like three years I,
3: well i know you guys have been like nonstop since the touring came back it seems like you've done oh, yeah. quite a bit you did the less than jake bowling for soup thing mm-hmm. uh you went out with the dolly rots i believe
2: yeah, yeah, went out with them for about 10 days.
3: And then uh, so. I think you guys just did, or you're getting ready to play some of those dates with Alien Ant Farm?
2: We did those already. Uh, we, we played with Alien Ant Farm uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, we also went on tour with the queers because they're friends. Okay, of, you know, our yeah. friends. Uh, we did that. Uh, Joe's been
3: on the show before, like I think a year or two. Oh, really? Ago. Yeah, Joe's a great guy. Cool.
2: Yeah, I love Joe. Uh, and we're actually going on tour again. Uh, we're leaving in like, I don't know when this is going to air, but we're leaving in the beginning. of This will of probably November. come
3: out in November, so I'll probably push it pretty hard if you guys are on the road then.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're, we're November seventh. We're starting a tour with this band called Make Out, um, and, uh, and we're going to be on. With, we're going to be out with them for about two weeks. Uh, not nothing crazy. We weren't even planning on doing it, but I met them in Chicago this this past summer when we were on the Less Than Jake tour. And they just, I guess, liked us when they saw us play, and they're like, "Hey, we're going to go on tour. Like, you guys want to, you know, come support?" I was like, "Yeah, whatever, sure." So it was kind of like a last-minute decision. And
3: well, I saw, I saw when you like posted that you guys were doing that. I checked them out, and I'd never heard the name, but they've got their online presence is pretty killer, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, like they, uh they the last tour they did before the pandemic was supporting Blink One Eighty Two. So it's like, wow. you know, yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> you know. Uh, Speaking
3: of which, are you stoked that Tom's back?
2: I I mean, man, I don't know if I'm the minority, but I just could not care less. I'm sorry. I'm
3: I'm neutral on it because I feel like, you know, California was pretty good. Like the, the Skiba stuff was pretty good. I, I've never I guess I missed all that because I was more like into no effects and bad religion and I didn't same I, I never listened. To, I didn't
2: dislike blink. I just never listened to them. I, they never had the impact on me that they seem to have on so many people my age. I, yeah. When when they were first like really breaking after dude ranch and then Eminem of the state and like all those albums came out. I was listening to other stuff, man. I, yeah. I listened to like Mill and Colin and bad religion, suicide machines and, mm-hmm. you know. Does like the stuff i listen to Lagwagon, and
3: i mean when i i have a lot of students because i teach guitar for a living i have a lot of students that come in and they'll want to do a blink song yeah. and when i hear like some of the the popular ones and some of the ones maybe i haven't heard i dig them i just they're fine That's i'm a, yeah, so like, neutral on on the whole you know
2: i'm the same if we're gonna go like mainstream like like pop punk band like i'm going green day every time over blink me like too it's not even a competition yeah
3: me too Well, and I'm a big Alkaline Trio fan, so my thing (laughs) was when Skiba joined, I was like, "Oh, maybe now we'll get some like cool dark Blink songs." No, all I thought was like, "Oh, we're
2: not gonna get any more Alkaline Trio
3: songs." Yeah, too true. (laughs) I I often wonder, and I mean, I know it's kind of almost become like a meme thing, but you know, what's up with Skiba? Why didn't they just have him play second guitar and and keep making millions of dollars and have a good time? I don't know, man. I
2: mean. I don't know why. I don't know what the deal is. I'm sure he's going to go back to
3: alkaline trio, though. Oh yeah, I mean, I would think so. I was just—I was right. talking to one of my students about this the other day before they announced it, and he was like, "I think Tom—he's a big Blink fan." He's like, "I think Tom's going to, you know, come back." Everybody's talking about it, and I'm like, "Yeah, it'd be cool if you know Skiba stuck around because you know Green Day's got Jason."
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, yeah. they're a trio, but then they've got the the backup guy in live, so it sounds better. You
0: Keyboard, know?
2: right? What? It's Josh Freese's brother, right? Is that what he is? Um, is the keyboard player with Green Day? And I'm talking Josh about. I think
3: Jason. Maybe I don't know if Gleason's right. That might be somebody else. But there's that guy that uh, the guy that plays second guitar. He's always kind of behind. Oh everybody. yeah,
2: yeah. They have a keyboard player too. Okay. That I'm fairly certain is Josh Freese's brother.
3: I think you might uh, be right. I think I'm actually his, my brain is working, and I'm remembering that now. <laughs> uh,
2: I don't know if you know Mark Cantor, but uh, he, he played he played guitars and patent pending with okay. Rob. He's like, that guy's like tech. So he's okay. like, so he talks Green Day all the time now, or whenever they play, he goes out with them.
3: Dude, but- <laughs> Pat and Penning came through here where I live in Muncie, Indiana. And uh, I don't know if I, I might've got them the show. I don't remember. This was a long time ago. And um there's a record store here called Village Green Records. And, and a lot of the people, it's like a house and the record store is in the front. Mm-hmm. And then people live in the back. And I remember that night I hooked it up so they could stay there. But Gavin was with them, and Gavin came back and stayed at my house in a nice bed with. Them. <laughs> oh yeah, of course he
0: did. They
3: were all pissed off because Gavin got special treatment.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: so you guys are in the studio currently, or you just finished up?
2: I literally, literally yesterday just finished. And you're doing? Uh, is
3: it multiple songs? Is it an album? An EP? What is it?
2: So we put out. uh, I- I've been. I've getting like, mixed signals from so many people because we've released a decent amount of music in the three years. But, like, I like still like doing full-length albums. Uh, I know that's, like, become, like, man, the industry is totally different when I came back into playing. Because I, I was, like, CDs were king when I left. And now it's, like, no one could care less about a CD. And I don't know how to work streaming stuff or, or you know, I'm, I'm still learning. But basically, like, I feel, it feels like the new formula for everyone is just keep releasing sig- singles all the time.
3: Well, I'll tell you, you know, we were discussing the stuff I'm doing now with my band Fire Sale. We Mm -hmm. have 20, 30 songs, whatever, that are like demoed out, ready to go. But we don't really want to sink our own money into it because we don't really know what's going (laughs) to happen with the band in the future because it started during the pandemic and it's a real band, but who knows? And the labels that we've been talking to and we've been working with on these upcoming releases, I don't know if it's marketing of just building the band song by song or if they don't want to pony up the money to get mixed and mastered that many no, songs. No, no, it's,
2: it's totally attention span. That's all it is. Yeah. It, it, you have to keep just throwing... You keep vomiting content at people so they don't forget about you, because people just forget about stuff after, like, three days. Yeah. So we started off old-school style, because that's all I knew. We went, we recorded a full-length album, Yeah. released a, a CD, a vinyl. Uh, well, luckily, what happened was that... All, a Pandemic happened, so I was like, Well, we can't actually physically sell these, so I guess we'll have to just release singles. So we, we wound up being forced into that format anyway, yeah. And uh, then we did a second album, so we did our first album in 2020, then we did our second album last year, 2021. So we were a whole other full length album, and then trickled that one out the same way single, 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 pressed it on vinyl and CD, sold those. This time, what we're doing. And what we went in this, this past week was we recorded four songs. And then we're going to go back in January, record four more songs, and then go back in like February or March, record four more songs. So we'll have 12. But over the course of that time frame, we're going to release singles every few weeks. That's cool. Yeah. And then by the summertime, we'll just release it on a vinyl on a CD for people who want to buy that kind of thing. And then re-release it all as an album you could download too. Like we'll release them as singles. And at the end of that Train of releases. will be like, all right, here's the whole album. If you just want to have it on one thing on your iPod or iPods yes, have an old as hell. <laughs> on your Spotify or iTunes. I will tell,
3: I will tell you. Like, do you handle, you know, the the digital distribution of your stuff, or do you let someone else do that?
2: Uh, we just do it through TuneCore. Okay. So I just, yeah, I just signed up for TuneCore and they release it on
3: there. Well, I was going to tell you. Uh, I think it's an IRSC number. Is mm-hmm. what, what they call that. What you can do, there is this new thing that I just read about the other day, the trickle thing. Like you're using the word trickle, but there's actually like a marketing way to do that. Basi- mm-hmm. basically what happens is to chart higher or to I don't know, get on how what however they playlists. They, yeah, oh, however they yeah. do that. Like I know like they did it with the last Lizzo record, they did it with the Drake record, and some rock bands are doing it as well. You release your singles, like you said. And then when the whole thing comes out as an album, as long as you use the same IRSC number for the album, all of that translates to the album, yeah, and you don't lose any of those streams, right?
2: Yeah, that's what we did on, on our last album. So yeah. our, our our last album was called Dark Horse, and we and we used all the songs got released individually up to a certain was like seven songs or something, and yeah. then when the album came out, all of those. All that data ported over because we used the same release number on it. So it did work out that way. But yeah, so we we were at uh Sound Mine, which is a studio in the Poconos, and it's a hidden gem. I'll tell you, I mean, I tell the owner Danny all the time, I tell everybody about it. But it's it's becoming less hidden. Um he like he just finished the avenge new Avenged Sevenfold album wow. when we were walking in. Like Andy Wallace had just walked out the door when we were walking in kind of thing. Well, dude, I'll tell and, you,
3: like what I've heard of your band, and I've listened to all the stuff you guys have put out. The production quality is top notch, man.
2: Thank you. Yeah, it, it's. It, we recorded everything we've done at Soundmind, and uh, the first two albums we did with our guitar player AJ, uh, engineering and mixing and everything. This time we're using the owner Danny, and he. I mean, his credits are crazy. I mean, in the last two years, he did. The, he did. The, he just finished his new Avenged Sevenfold album. Uh, he did the new Ghost album. And he did the new Gojira album. Wow. So he's been busy. <laughs> and, yeah. the, and they did the new Bowling for Soup album there, too. My brother convinced the band to go there. So, uh, I mean, I'm really excited that he's working on our album. Uh, he's he's amazing. And the studio is incredible. So if you're listening to this and you're in the Northeast, go go to Soundmind in the Poconos. He gives me a discount every time I mention it.
3: <laughs> well, I, I'll tell you, man, you from everything we've talked about and you're talking about songwriting and everything, I take it that you're kind of, you have the lion's share of the songwriting, the putting things together. I always like to get people's perspectives on that. You know, how old are you? You're close to my age. We're
2: 38,
3: 30. Okay. I'm 43. So we're in the same ballpark. We, when we were doing fire sale, we had a lot of labels saying, Hey, do you want to work with this producer? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do this? And we were kind of like, yeah, that'd be cool. But We've all been in bands, we all write music. I feel like we can produce it ourselves. Do you mm-hmm. how do you feel about that? Like working with a producer, or do you feel like you've kind of over the years of doing everything you've done, even though there were some gaps, you've kind of honed that skill and you kind of know what you're doing?
2: I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I think working with some producers, I picked up a lot of their tricks and a lot of the things that they like their go to, like their main toolkit. So, like like I said, when I was in Split Fifty, we worked with Shep. This guy Shep Goodman, and he traditionally, like, he did Mandy Moore and LFO, and and uh, then he did the side record, he did the Head Automatico record, and he did some like uh, Forever the Sickest Kids. Like he did start to get into like our scene a little bit, but a lot of the stuff that he kind of did on our our my old band's album, I was I was in the room the whole time. I was always involved, so I was kind of picking up a lot of his like, do this, cut this down, make this shorter, start with the chorus here, like. A lot of that kind of stuff I know, and just inherently, A, from listening to music and being, you know, super involved my whole life, but B, uh, sometimes you naturally kind of know, like, what should go where, how things should go. Yeah. But what I would say is that it is also nice to have that, like, outside ear of a person that doesn't have, like, I'm not going to say they don't have skin in the game, but they're just not in the band. So, like, everyone in the band just has, like, a specific like vision of what it's going to be or what it should be. And sometimes it's nice to have someone who's completely unattached to, to come in and be like, Hey, you ever thought of this? Or you ever tried this? Like, cause they're thinking of stuff that like, sometimes you get tunnel vision and you're, and you're writing for your band. Like, I feel like
3: writing. they're not attached to it in the same way. Like they like yeah. it, but they're going to give you an honest opinion that like, I feel that way when I'm mixing because I'll be mixing a demo and I'm like, well, the guitars are super loud because I play guitar. I need someone oh, else sure, sure. to do it, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the times I like to have someone kind of sit there and be like, you should cut that verse and switch this or do that or, or use this note in the chorus or whatever it is. So I, I, it's a mix. I like to try and call as many friends as I can uh, when they're available, like come sit in on a day, like. I Joe, the singer of Pat Pending, come in on our first album, and he just came in for a whole day, and he just started tearing songs apart. I was just like, I said, like, you have full reign. Like, obviously, I'll be able to veto if I don't like stuff, but, like, basically, I gave it producer credit, like, on a couple of songs, and, like, do what you want to do. Like, what do you think? Like, he was more vocal-oriented, but yeah, producers also help with, like, getting cool guitar tones or finding, like, the right instrument to use in a certain part that you might not have thought of. And a lot of that stuff I don't know still, admittedly, so i think there's like benefits to it and i think there's also downsides i mean uh you know if you have a band full of seasoned dudes who know what they want to do you don't really need a producer uh but at the same time if you want to try and explore your sound a little bit more or have a little less on your shoulder it's nice to have someone else in the room or you can just focus on you know working on the songs the best you can and then you have that person who's like evaluating as you go versus yeah. you evaluating and writing at the same time
3: so when when do you write the the bulk of your stuff are you a late night guy normally or are you like shower shower okay yeah, the
2: shower yeah uh do you get the out shower. and sing
3: it into your phone or like, like yes
2: exactly what i do okay literally uh you know you're not doing anything else in the shower except rubbing soap and shampoo <laughs> in your hair
3: yeah
2: they're so just kind of standing there and then you know it's got great uh you know, nice echo. <laughs> and I'll just have an idea. I'll be like, da, da, da. you know, it's always da, da 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 and stuff, or it'll be a guitar part or a melody, or I'll think about it and then I'll t- open the shower door, pull my phone off the little ledge we got there, and I'll sing whatever I just had in my head, save it in my phone, and that's it. I'll just put it back and I'll put my phone down, I'll continue my shower. And then sometimes like I'll wake up in the middle of the night or in the morning and do the same thing off my nightstand. And then what happens is I don't touch any of it. I just keep doing that. Like I'll do that over the course of like a couple months. Yeah. And then once I, be, I feel like, all right, I've got 48 videos on my phone. Cause I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not great using my phone. So I just record videos <laughs> and I sing at the video. I don't do voice memos, I guess. But, uh, after I've got like a big stock of stuff on my phone, I'll just take it to my basement, plug my Kemper into my focus, right? Play along. I have like a studio one on my computer and I record exactly what I sang in my phone. I don't try and write anything additional. I don't and then I put it all on my computer. Now with a guitar, and then I let that sit for a minute. And then I come back to it. And then I'll start messing around with some like drum ideas or some bass or some vocals or whatever. And I kinda like build it like a house, you know? Where I have like a little bit of an idea, I commit it to my computer, and then a little bit of a time I'll keep adding and adding and adding.
3: Do do the I'm- lyrics like and the melodies for vocals come last because like with me, almost owe oh, it. Yeah, I'm not a singer. I I, I can sing harmony. I've sing harmony in every band I've ever been in. But I'm not like a lyric guy. <clears throat> I'm not gonna take over a song anytime soon. So like yeah. when I'm writing a song, I'm like, oh, that sounds like a pre-chorus. That sounds like a bridge. That sounds like a chorus. And the funny thing is, I'll send this completed song to our singer. And he'll send it back to me all chopped up, like, oh, your chorus was a better verse. Your verse was a better chorus. Sure,
2: yeah, that certainly can happen, especially because you're doing it, I'm assuming, just guitar.
3: Guitar with programmed drums.
2: Yeah, yeah, but, but, so you're, you're hearing just the guitar. And and as a guitar player, like, well, this is usually kind of the thing I would do in a verse, or this is usually kind of thing, but sometimes that's not always the case, especially when it comes to vocals.
3: And I'm a riff, I'm a riff guy, too. So,
2: yeah, I know you like to shred.
3: (laughs) I like to shred.
2: But, uh, yeah i mean a lot of the times what i do is it, it actually changed a little bit in this recent set of recordings that we've been doing up until the first two albums we did it was a lot of like here's a verse part here's a here's a chorus part and then i'd sing blah 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 yeah over them and then i'd go back and start writing lyrics to the blah you blah, did blah, the
3: metallica thing have you ever heard their demos The songs are completely done, and then you hear James doing a melody that's completely the finished melody with fake words.
2: Yeah, and its funny because I was just watching a little clip with Joe Rogan, and he had uh, Rick Rubin on. Yeah, and he was talking about that's what the Red Hot Chili Peppers do. He's like, they Anthony Kiedis goes in when the music's there, and he just goes California, California." but uh, he'll like blah 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 his way through it, and then add you know lyrics on. And that's, that's how I, I always do it. It, it just—it's the most comfortable for me, and I'm a big melody person. So I'll sing the melody, and then eventually I put the lyrics on. This time I, I did write a bunch of songs like kicking off with the melody, which is not something I typically do. But maybe I feel—I don't know—maybe I'm getting more little more comfortable with like my writing style now, and so I could. I, I had a lot of songs where I sang the melody, and then I had to figure out what guitar goes underneath. And I'm—I'm I'm like a mediocre guitar player at best. So it was a little tougher <laughs> to do it that way. But, I, I mean, the first four we recorded, I think, came out really good. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it.
3: Well, I'd like to talk a little bit uh, about the videos, because you guys, the videos you've released lately, you know, I guess the most, maybe two most recent videos, they're very creative. They're fun. Thanks. The the one where you guys are like at the theater and you're kind of, what, the the Mater D guy at the theater, I think, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, like, yeah, that's for- I I wish, I don't know, I I wish bands had more fun doing videos. Do you know what I mean? Some bands are just so serious, you know?
2: Yeah, and that's exactly what I wanted to avoid. And as we stated way earlier, I'm a big Foo Fighters fan. Like, that's one of my favorite bands. And Foo Fighters, especially in the early days, were just all the best videos. All my favorite ones, the, you know, Big Me with the Mentos commercial. and uh, The Everlong
3: video is great.
2: Everlong's fantastic. Learn to Fly is one of my favorite music videos ever, just where they're on the plane. And and, and Dave plays all the, and, and the band plays all the different characters. And that's where I got a lot of the, like the inspiration from, like the videos that we do. Uh, and when we started the band, at, at the end of the day, a music video is just a commercial for your song. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's just. People watch the video, they think it's fun or funny or good or whatever it is, and then they'll go listen to your song a lot of the times.
3: Do you That's- feel like it's something in this day and age, like, you know, videos used to be so important because of MTV and, like, different outlets where even if the song maybe wasn't amazing, if you had a good video, shit could take off. Sure. Do you feel like it's still like that? Like like bands yeah, nowadays well, YouTube, should invest in videos?
2: A million percent. Uh, YouTube is one of the biggest if not the biggest uh platform online as far as i if it if it's not the biggest i'd be surprised uh but everyone's finding i mean tiktok all that stuff is all video
0: based i mean there every you know you want to really make sure band
2: members matter yeah it's not just like the first thing I said when we made our first video, which we did a, a music video for our song "Fall '99," and it was it was a talent show, it, like that was the premise of the video. And the first thing I said was, "When we make our music video, uh, there's no way in hell you'll ever catch me doing one where we're in some like abandoned warehouse with lights shining through the cracked ceiling, <laughs> and we're all serious and like I, I hate those or for, you know whatever, they're so boring. So it's like I want to do something fun, and every time we do it. It doesn't have to be goofy, but it has to be fun. Yeah. And it has to look like we're having a good time. And the, and, the, and in turn, people watch it and they'll have a good time and they'll like it. We've made so many fans just based off our music videos where people saw the fall of 99 video. And I got the idea from that one from Back to the Future where uh, Marty is auditioning for the talent show. And then Huey Lewis is like, no, you're too damn loud. Like, you know, you, you can't.
3: So, I, I did i just posted a thing on fire so i got bored one night and there's a little snippet of our new single and i cut it together with that scene so when he goes one two three and then they break yeah. into our song i thought it was mm-hmm. hilarious
2: but yeah yeah i mean we we did that scene and it, like, that is the music video
3: it's oh no scene. i've seen it i loved it yeah man. maybe you I subconsciously stole that from you
2: <laughs> no i mean we didn't i'm sure we're not the first people <laughs> to do it either but the, the whole concept was i i mixed that with actually the learn to fly video where the the Foo Fighters all played all of the characters. And I was like, well, let's do that, too. That sounds really fun. So we bought all these costumes and wigs. And and so many people got into our band just because of that video. They're like, oh, that video was so funny or it was so cool or whatever it was. It was a good time to watch. So they then started, like, our band. And then we started to do a lot of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the one you mentioned is for our song, Whoa, I, was we shot it at this old historic, like, movie theater um, that – I found out when we were filming was the location of Billy Joel. His very first American headline show was at this place. Wow. Just thought it was freaking awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready for a head-bangingly good time? Dive into the world of heavy metal with the
1: Brutally Delicious podcast. Here... We don't just talk music. We welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews, exploring raw emotions and the life-altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard
2: metalhead or just curious, join our family and let the headbanging begin with the Brutally Delicious podcast. So, and the the premise was like a date gone wrong kind of thing. and, And we... We've been joking a lot about that movie Mac and Me, so like we put we put Mac and Me like all throughout the video, like it's it's the movie that everyone's going to see, and like. Because me and my brother used to have to watch that stupid VHS all the time when we were kids. My mom had gotten it for us.
3: Are you a, are you a Conan fan? You ever seen when Paul Rudd is oh, on there? Of that? course, yeah.
2: <laughs> That's how most people recognize it. But yeah, I knew it from actually watching it as a kid.
3: Dude, I used to. I remember renting that at my local video store <laughs> when I was young. Yeah, I've seen Mac and me way before the Paul Rudd thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, same. It's so terrible. We, me and Sarah tried to watch even a little bit of it like ref- before it was like, this is unwatchable. We can't watch this thing. It's so It's so bad. But yeah, we have a great time with our music videos. We did uh, a cover, a couple of cover songs for fun, like during the pandemic. And we did uh, Mr. Blue Sky by ELO. Cause ELO is one of my favorite bands of all yeah. time. And uh, the whole premise of that video was, uh, um, cause we made a music video for it. Cause we had all this free time and we were like, what the hell? And the whole music video is just a nonstop, um, uh, 90 sitcom intros. So it's like, you know, your guy comes in and like turns and it's got the name. Yeah. So it's like it's at the entire music video, it's pretty, it was really fun to do. We did it at my brother's house actually. And all of our friends and our girlfriends and wives are all kind of in it.
3: Am it I imagining fun. this? I, I seem to remember you guys did a Metallica cover.
2: We did do a Metallica cover.
3: Yeah. I, I'm just uh, remembering that. And that, and I was hoping that it was you guys. And I was not just dreaming that that happened.
2: So when we did the cover songs, each member got to pick a song. So I picked Yellow, Our drummer, Anthony, picked uh, Billy Joel. Uh, our bass player, Keith, picked a song by this band called The Association. It's like an old 60s band. Uh, and uh, AJ, our guitar player, is like, much like you, is a big, it's a shredding. Yeah. And his favorite band in the world is Metallica. So he's like, let's cover Metallica. I was like, geez, dude, like, you're trying to kill me? Like, how am I supposed to sing a Metallica cover? Like, I was already so worried about that. And I was like, well, if we're going to do one, we need to pick my favorite one. So we picked Creeping Death. So we did that one. And it came out pretty good. Uh, Jarrett from Bowling Pursuit did guest vocals on it. And we had a a good time with it. All the covers were really fun. We'll probably do those again.
3: That's awesome, man. Well, hey, I tell you what, I've had you on here for about an hour. I would like to know, you know, before we get out of here, what is coming up? You know, you've got the tour coming up with Make Out, right? Yeah. Is there anything else in the pipeline other than these new songs you're going to be working on in the coming months? Any more tours? Yeah, for
2: sure. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be, like like you said, in November going on tour with the band Makeout. Uh, and then we're going to release one of the songs we just recorded uh, online, you know, or whatever, Spotify and all that crap at the end of November. And then every six weeks, we'll keep re- releasing a new single that we recorded for probably the foreseeable future uh eventually culminating to a full album release probably next summer um december we're going to be doing uh we got invited by the queers again to come play uh week of dates coming out to in- indiana
3: oh, so i'll have to around, stop by and see you guys we man. Come,
2: we're playing in, in, in indianapolis with them the right? melody
3: inn i think right
2: that's right yeah, yeah
3: love that place man
2: so we'll be there uh so we'll be with those guys in december for about a week doing the midwest chicago detroit all that stuff uh, and then in February, we're going to uh, England. We're going to the UK. Wow. Uh, we're going to Scotland uh, and a couple England shows for about eight days or so.
3: Well, that's one thing we didn't talk about. Didn't you do that acoustic tour? Yeah. I with did an acoustic with tour Jared man. and your brother, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what's, what spiked going back. Their booking agent, I guess, took a liking to us. And he was just like, you know, we meet, we were all kind of talking on the last day. And he's like, Bring the band back. Let's do a full band tour. I was like, all right, great. Honey. I mean, I had a great time when I was there in May, so we're going we're gonna to go back and just do like a small club, like little co-headline tour thing with another band, and um, yeah, so that's, that's coming up in February, and then in May uh, we might be doing a couple of shows in the Northeast, uh, and then who knows from there? You know, lots of touring, 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 and releasing music. That's that's the plan, just nonstop.
3: So as as a booking agent for bands like you know the Ataris and the Queers and and all the bands that you're working with, I think Richie Ramone, right?
2: Yeah, I, I book for Mest.
3: Uh, Ma- okay, Mest. For, yeah. Uh,
2: the Spill Canvas.
3: Okay. Um, um
2: and uh, this band Cold.
3: Oh, I, I remember uh, Cold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: So, and Alien Ant Farm, I started working for recently.
3: So, when you're doing all that stuff, are you still handling everything booking wise for Don't Panic, or is somebody else? Yeah.
2: No, I'm don't panis booking agent as well. So I do so I handle my own stuff cuz I always have and I just I like it. I, I enjoy my job. So I, I it's nice, you know. I, I book all the bands I work for and then I I get to submit my band for bigger tours and stuff too through our, you know I work at an agency called TKO and uh it's cool. I mean, you know, I I get to do my job and then when I have free time benefit my band with my job, which
3: Hell, why not? <laughs> I mean, no, I, th- I think that's like the most perfect thing that could happen. That's why I ask because, yeah. you know, you've got this great band that you're in and you're doing bigger tours that maybe you're getting outside of, you know, like when Jared hits you up and you go, Hey, what are you doing in five weeks? Like, yeah. I-, I think that it's so amazing that you've done that stuff and kind of bolstered the presence of Don't Panic and now you're at this agency where there's a lot of bands on that agency that you guys would fit perfectly with on a tour. Sure, yeah. So to be able to kind of submit and be an insider at that agency, I mean, sky's the limit, man.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's how it used to be even when I was on Warp Tour back in the early 2000s. Kevin Lyman gave uh, me and, and the, the singer of my band, Zach, control of a stage. And well, I mean, what do you think we did? We put Split Fifty on the stage every yeah. summer. Man. Yeah. Like, hell, man, it's our stage. Like we're gonna, we're in the, we're in this to play. And you know, I, I think a lot of people, you know, don't do that. I don't, I don't see why you wouldn't. That uh, was a, those were one of the first bits of advice Jarrett gave me when I got the job at, at working as a, at a booking agency too. He's just like, dude. He's like, dude, just do everything you can. Submit to everything you can. Like, you know, sky's the limit. Like you said, just do. Use every avenue you can if you want to use it. Like, there's no shame for everybody who's who's trying to succeed. If you're a publicist, public do do publicity for your own band. If you're a recording engineer, record your own band. Like you know, like that's why you're in the industry is because you love music. So,
3: well, I mean, I've just always, you know, I I'm not the most success successful person in music by any means, but I've had some good success. You know, as of you and people always ask me like, what's the secret? I'm like, never say no.
2: Yeah. It never stopped working.
3: Yeah. Always say yes. Like if some, I remember back in the day, you know, the way that I got to join the Ataris and the way that I got to join Brazil and like the things that I did in these different bands, it was like, Hey, Chris, what are you doing? You want to go sell merch? Yes. Hey, Chris, what are you doing? You want to drive the van for us? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I never said no to any opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And that kind of led me to these networking opportunities.
2: Yeah. You make friends, you, You do a good job. People, you know, you get promoted. You're, they see, you could play guitar now. Yeah. You know, so many stories where the merch guy or the, or the, their roadie became the guitar player of the band or became the drummer. I mean, it happens so much. So it's like, just always, always avail yourself to everybody.
3: Well, and people, I have these like people that I went to school with and stuff. Like when I first started the podcast, it was people that to you and I mean something, Right. But to okay. John, Johnny, whoever from my high school has no idea who, you know, fat Mike is. <laughs> yeah. So then when I had like, you know, Shifflett was just on, I had Matt Penfield on and I had Ricky oh, rocket wow. from poison. And like, I have all these people. <laughs> and then like, I'll be getting messages from people I went to high school with. They're saying, how do you, how did you do that? How did yeah. you, how did you get a talk to the guy from the Foo Fighters? I'm like, well, the guy from the Foo Fighters used to be in a band with my bass player. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a man called No Use for a Name—you've never
0: heard
3: of. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just so weird that like I don't know, like it, it's not lost on me, which I'm sure it's not lost on you. You guys getting to go on tour with less than Jake and Bowling for soup—that's fucking unreal. Yeah, and the fact that you know I was able to talk to Fat Mike for an hour and a half about songwriting—it blew so my cool. fucking mind. Like,
2: yeah, man.
3: The running joke on this show with everybody that listens that I fanboy out, and I just want to say once again, yeah, like great. Wouldn't I, I
2: listened? I, everybody I so excited would. Excited for you when you had Trevor Keith on. Oh, dude, was that excited. was so
3: great! <laughs> so great.
2: I listened to that whole one. I was just excited the whole time for you. I was like, man, "This is awesome!"
3: Wait till you hear Scott's man. It's so we had so oh, much can't. fun. It was great.
2: He's the nicest guy ever, and we got to open for them last summer, and he was just the most wonderful person to us. It was really cool.
3: Well, dude, I just want to tell you it's it's been a long time coming. I'm glad that you're on the show today. Um You know, like I said, we don't chat all the time, but I think of you as a good friend and I love, I love your music. I love your band. And I just, I want nothing but success for you guys.
2: Same for you, man. I'm glad the the podcast is going strong. I listen all the time. Our bass player, Keith listens all the time. I told him I was doing this tonight. He got so excited. He's like, really? (laughs) I listen that. I listen to that all the time. I
3: was like, Oh, cool. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So, so I had one more question. Uh, And now it's totally evading my mind. But uh, so, (laughs) so other than, you know, the don't panic stuff, are there any other, like, are you going to do some more acoustic stuff? Because, you know, our mutual buddy, Chris Rowe, sometimes it's out of necessity because a full band can't go certain areas or whatever because of money, finances, whatever. But I know he really enjoys that. What was your takeaway from doing that acoustic tour? Was that like one of your first experiences really getting out there on your own?
2: It was my very first time ever touring acoustic. And I honestly, I really liked it a lot. Um, It was a lot of fun. You got to interact much more closely with the people during the show. Uh, And I liked the, like the intermittent rooms and like the smaller crowds, like they were still packed rooms, but it was like, it was a different thing. It wasn't like a show. It wasn't like a punk rock show, you know, it was like, I don't know, it was, it was really cool, and I love being able to hear my vocals really well with an acoustic guitar. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm getting blasted by a full band, but I definitely will do some more of that. I don't know when, and I don't know how, but it's certainly, we had discussed even doing, like, taking some of the more appropriate songs from our catalog and doing, like, an acoustic EP, like a Don't Panic, like, do, like, four songs, read down acoustic, and then write a brand new song acoustic, and, like, put, like, a five-song EP out or something.
0: That'd
3: be so. cool, man
2: yeah, maybe we'll do something like that. Maybe we'll do like a little acoustic run of shows or something. It's certainly something that's been in the back of my mind since May though.
3: So what is, I guess we'll leave off with this then, you know, you and I being kind of in the same, people ask me this all the time. They're like, Oh, you're in your early forties or or late thirties. What's the goal. And my goal for the, for my stuff is that I am a musician and I have to put out stuff and create stuff. And I don't really give a fuck.
2: Yeah, I mean, my goal is just to to be happy.
3: Yeah, it's, that's what I'm saying. Like, because music yeah, and, makes you happy, right?
2: Yeah, it's it's if it's like a fulfilling aspect of my life. So my goal is to be able to do that and be able to afford to do that. Yeah. So I guess my my ultimate goal is to sustain myself while doing doing the band. Like, I mean, yeah. obviously that would be the ultimate goal, or at least just being involved in the music industry while still being able to play in the band full time. So that's that's my end goal, I think.
3: Cause I mean, I when I was young, and I think you'll probably relate to this, you're, you're like, man, we gotta. I'm, I want to be the biggest band in the world. I want to do this, and it always oh, yeah. felt That's- like a big competition. And yeah. now, being in my early 30s, putting out music again, and I haven't put out music for so long, I just feel like I want people to like it. I want to have good numbers. I want all the stuff that you always want. But I also am like, I just love putting music out. I just love creating stuff and putting it out into the world. You know. Same. Well, you've done a good job. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Dude, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, definitely when you guys have some new stuff, please come back. Maybe bring uh, your your bandmate that I guess listens all the time, your bass player. Bring sure. You. What was his name? Keith. Keith. Shout out to Keith.
0: Yeah, there you go.
3: <laughs> but man, this has been amazing. Uh, thank you so much, and I'll let you know when it drops. Okay? Please. Thanks, man. Cool, man. I will talk to you very soon. Have a great night. You too. Peace.
2: See
3: ya. So there it was. My conversation with my dude, Ted Felicetti from Don't Panic. Uh, make sure to check out Don't Panic on all of the streaming platforms. And when they come to your neck of the woods, they put on a really, really good show. The tour that Ted was speaking about is actually over now. It took me a while to get this episode out. But they tour all the time. So keep an eye out and make sure to go see them live. Buy their records. Do whatever you can. Support my dude. Support Dope Panic. They're a great band, and you're gonna love them. Go check them out. So that is it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate you spending so much time with me. Uh, when I put out episodes, I used to say every week, but now it's every few weeks, I guess. But uh, make sure to follow us on the socials. And follow the socials are at totot podcast. I'm having a real hard time today. I don't know what's up. Follow my band Firesale on the socials at Firesale is a band and check out Firesale is a We just released two new singles. Make sure to check them out. And if you have a playlist, I would really, really appreciate it if you would add them to your personal playlist. If you need to get in touch with me, it's easy. You can hit me up tototpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure to check out our website tototpodcast.com dot com and grab some merch while you're there. It's the best way to support the show. I'm going to leave you with don't Panic's brand new single friends make better enemies. It just came out. It's awesome. I appreciate the support so much. Some great episodes down the pipeline. If you want to sponsor an episode, hit me up. I have some prime episodes that are available for band sponsors and companies and whatever you want to promote, you could promote, you could sponsor an episode with your dog. Whatever. No. Uh, bands and companies are what I'm looking for. So if, if that's what you're into, hit me up and we can get it taken care of. podcast at gmail.com. Okay, I'm out. Like I said, I'm going to play Don't Panic's brand new single, Friends Make Better Enemies. I think you're going to love it. It's really, really cool. I love it. I've got it added to all of my playlists. So I love you guys and gals. Remember to be kind to one another. As always, this is Chris. I'll see you soon
0: peace Friends, just make-
1: Frederickson from Rancid. This is Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. This is Tom from MXPX.
0: Hey,
3: this is Jay Bentley from Bad Religion. This is Vinnie from Less Than Jake. This is Travis from Coe and Cambria. This is Chris Number
0: 2 for the band Anti-Flag. Hey, this is Ricky Rocket from Poison. This is Pete Parada from The Offspring.
4: Hey, this is Zach Blair from Rise Against.
0: Hey, this is Eddie from the band Thrice.
4: Hi, this is Frank Turner. Hey,
2: this is Jim from Pennywise. Hey, this is Eric Smelly, the drummer of No Effects.
1: Hi, this is Bill from and More. Hey, this is Chris from Propaganda. Hi, this is Rory from No for Name. Hi, this is Ben Gilly. I'm
3: Silverchair. This is Stefan from Descendants, and you're listening to That One Time on Tour
0: with Chris Swinney.
2: Ready for a head bangingly good time?
1: Dive into the world of heavy metal with the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Here, we don't just talk music we welcome you into our heavy metal family. Join us for candid chats with legends and rising stars. We go beyond the typical interviews exploring raw emotions and the life altering impact of heavy metal. So whether you're a diehard metal head or just curious, join our family and
2: let the headbanging begin with the brutally delicious podcast. (laughs)